TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search, then download. This is Ken and Curtis on WEEI. Ken and Curtis show, Ken Laird off today, Chris Scheim in for him, and uh, since I'm running the ship today, I decided to have the best college football writer, reporter, uh, Boston-based Pete Thamel of ESPN joins us on the uh, Harbor One Hotline. Pete had a big week, there was a lot of huge college football news, obviously biggest one for us, Bill O'Brien returning to BC. Uh, Pete, how are you? Chris, I'm great, man. Really, really, uh, really, really well. Yeah, it's uh, there's no off season in college football with the portal and all these jobs. So, uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting day for college football, and college football fans in Boston. It's a transformative hire for uh, for, for BC, and uh, you know, just li- living here. Obviously, I'm really excited to see what Bill O'Brien can do with uh, with that BC program. Yeah, Pete. It's I I uh, I was talking on the uh, Greg Hill show last week or two about when Halfley went to uh, Green Bay, and I just sort of said BC either needs to invest or divest. Like, either they need to just go all in or, you know, as all in as you can at, at Boston College or get away from the sport because the real sort of last seven to eight years have been meh in a way that they've just totally become irrelevant in the Boston sports scene. So how did this come about? How, how long did this take? And uh, how difficult was the negotiation? I know BC has been loath to pay head coaches uh, in years past. Well, it develops slowly because BC doesn't do anything uh, that is not deliberate. Uh, Father Leahy still has an outsized voice in any major decision at the university. He's certainly, uh, you know, been there almost 30 years and transformed the university. So this, uh, you know, I, I covered the searches at Alabama, Washington, and Arizona, and they were sort of 72-hour sprints, basically. And this was like a methodical eight-day, three rounds of interviews, two rounds of in-person interviews, um, this was not like we want Bill O'Brien and we're going to go get him. It was we were going to put together a pool and we were going to we were going to listen. And uh, you know they had three people up here on uh, on Thursday, and uh, Bill O'Brien was the most qualified candidate. He's he's well overqualified to be an ACC head football coach if you uh, if you look at if you look at his resume. But this was uh, this was BC sort of taking their time and you know ultimately landing on uh, you know what who on paper. Was the uh, you know was the most qualified candidate, and I and I think the bonus for 
the city of Boston and football fans in New England is that it's a real adrenaline shot of relevancy because everyone knows who Bill O'Brien is. Everyone has an opinion of Bill O'Brien. Um, and I think that just it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of local connection to the community. He obviously recruited the Northeast extensively when he was at Penn State, and that's always going to be BC's bread and butter, right? You need the prep schools, you need New Jersey high schools, you need the Catholic schools on I-95 in the, in the eastern seaboard. And you kind of mentioned BC and its cosmic, its place in college athletics cosmically. Uh, look, it's it's a hard job now. It's probably the somewhere between the 14th and 15th, 16th best job in a 17-team league. It, it is not a premier ACC job. It just it just is what it is. And the the, the hiring of O'Brien, my understanding is, came with a, you know a staffing commitment. Things like, like for example, Wake Forest has blown BC away in facilities in infrastructure, in hiring for recruiting departments, et cetera. And, you know, they need to get back to, you know, to, to a place where they can, you know, they can, they can climb into the middle of the pack. And, and I think the intriguing part to me about the O'Brien hire is, like, he isn't coming here to, you know, to come in eighth. That is not how Bill O'Brien's wired. I'm sure you guys have been around him. So he's going to, you know, he's going to aim high. And I think maybe at this moment in time in college athletics, one of the competitive advantages – that Bill brings is that BC is going to become a very attractive place for older players in the transfer portal. You know, there's, there's a good sell to, Hey, come play for a guy who was an NFL head coach for six or seven years. He was an NFL assistant for a long time. He can get you ready for the NFL, whether that's at the quarterback position where BC is fine right now. They have a good, good quarterback, but you know, O-linemen, tight ends, defensive players, there's a sell here to say, Hey, we can we can be the finishing school, and, and you kind of have to live in the portal in college athletics. In a lot of ways, that's that's trumped high school recruiting, which still will be important. BC still has to be a developmental program, and it has to get those three stars and and, and build them up and train them up, and to, you know to, to get them ready. That's what that place is obviously always uh, lived on. So yeah, it's it's a really intriguing hire. I'm really excited to to see how it uh, unfolds. I would imagine the reaction locally has been pretty pretty. Uh, Pretty electric. Oh, right? Pete. I mean, I, as someone, I mean, I went to BC, grew up. My dad went to BC. Sure. BC was my, you know, yeah. the, the team I first started rooting for. This is as good as it gets. And for me, the two things that Bill O'Brien brings that are essential to Boston College. Number one, as you said, the 95, the recruiting locally. BC has had countless guys around here that would be perfect fits at Boston College that go to Syracuse, that go to UConn, that go to Penn State, that go to Virginia Tech, that whole thing. So that is a huge element. And also, you you touched on it, but the quarterback and the guy that can bring in the QB in Bill O'Brien, someone that can sell to a mom and a dad in the living room that I know the NFL, I can get you ready. I mean, that is obviously not a need right now, but that is a huge component to being successful at Boston College. Yeah, no, I think those are uh, th- those are two, you know, those are two, two, two great points. I mean, uh, and I think the the other thing from an identity standpoint, right? College athletics are on the precipice of some kind of massive change, and that's like its own podcast, miniseries, Netflix series that we won't dive into right now. But this is this is going to be a stability anchor for BC football because ultimately football is really all that matters in, in college athletics financially in terms of keeping the athletic department afloat. Certainly, BC, I think, has 30-something sports, maybe 31. So those, and I'm not saying they don't matter, but if you want to be a vibrant part of the next evolution of college athletics, you need 
good football. And, you know, Bill O'Brien wants to be here. When he took the Ohio State job, his family remained in, in the area. And, you know, his son plays baseball at Tufts. Like, he is of Boston College. And now he went to Brown, obviously. His wife went to BC. You know, he is, this is, this is what he wants and where he wants to be. And I think just for, for, for Boston College going forward, being sort of on the outskirts of that mainstream college athletics conversation pushing forward, having a, an identity in your program, having a brand name coach, and having someone who can push and steer it into a, into a bit of a more modern era, as you hinted at earlier, Chris, is just huge holistically for the athletic department and the university. Uh, Pete Thamel joins us, ESPN's lead college football reporter who broke the news of Bill O'Brien, and uh, Shime is uh, in with uh, in for Ken Laird today. Go ahead, Shime. Hey, uh, Pete, the other you know team that we talk about all the time on the station, the New England Patriots, uh, have the third overall pick in the draft, and your ESPN colleague Dan Graziano noted this morning that there's kind of buzz that they may be interested in trading that pick. I'm curious because, you know, assumedly at that pick they would take a guy like Jaden Daniels, and I'm curious your thoughts on Daniels, kind of maybe uh, the, your your thoughts on the quarterback he could be in the NFL and kind of what he would bring to a team if the Patriots were to actually stay there and select him at three. Sure. And I mean, Jaden Daniels is to me the, the archetype of why quarterback development is unlike development in any other position. It is not linear. Uh, Jaden Daniels had a monster freshman season at Arizona state under Herm Edwards, my colleague, and really projected as one of the most promising young players in the country. He's a big recruit out of Southern California, Antonio Pierce, who's now the head coach of the Raiders, recruited him there. And after that electric freshman year, I think he had like 19 touchdowns and one interception. Again, that's off the top of my head. But it was like, it was eye-popping um, how he came in and played. And, and after that, his development was stunted. He was not very good. Now, there were a lot of problems in that program, and that program kind of spiraled, and they, they might not have had the best offensive coaches to develop him, but – he made a very wise decision in this portal era. He went to LSU, and under Brian Kelly, Mike Denbrock, who's now the OC at Notre Dame, he just left, and Joe Sloan, the quarterback coach, Jaden Daniels really and truly developed. Uh, I, I mean, I remember when LSU took him, there was a little bit like, oh, because he had plateaued so much. Like, hmm. It was almost like a little bit of a risk, if you will. And he was, he was good to very good in the 2022 season. Remember, they beat Alabama in overtime on that two-point conversion. And then he was just electric in 2023 and has really established himself as the paradigm of what quarterback play is starting to look like in the NFL. Finally, it looked like that in college for a while, but he is, uh, he's an electric dual threat quarterback who you'd run some zone read with, who, you know, who, who gives you every, you know, every dual threat element, um, that, that maximizes the dynamism of offenses. And, uh, you know, the, you know, obviously it's draft season, so if you're going to poke holes, it was he really only played at a high, 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 high level um, in this Heisman Trophy season. And, you know, the thought is, you know, he unlocked it and could keep going, but he, he may not have had as consistent a, a playing resume as some of, the, uh, some of the other guys. So, I mean, he's intriguing, and he's very different than Drake May, who people are speculating at two, who, who's been mocked to the Patriots by Mel Kuyper and others. Uh, Drake May is like I call the Parcelsian quarterback. He's the he's from North Carolina. He no, he is he is athletic, like everyone likes like Andrew Luck, sneaky athletic, right? He can go get you six yards on third and four, but he has a beautiful throwing motion. Mm-hmm. But he is he looks like Bill Parcells wanted it to look like, you know, you know, fifteen years ago when he was running drafts. He is 
six four, six five, strapping, athletic, big, wide, strong. Um, the knock on Jaden Daniels, just from a pure size perspective, is that he's a slight human. You know, Bryce Young was a slight human. That was a that he was a, he was a, an anomaly going number one last year, just because he just doesn't have sheer body size um, in that. But uh, yeah, if, if Patriots fans are dreaming of better offenses, uh, there are some fun YouTube rabbit holes you can go down. Drake May has one of the prettiest throwing motions that I've ever seen a quarterback have in college. And Dan Danos had just simply put one of the most productive and electric seasons uh, the, the last couple of years. So um, that was, I don't follow the NFL as closely uh, as you guys do, but that, that, those were not things said about the Patriots quarterback play the last season. <laughs> uh, that is absolutely the case. Uh, Pete, I really appreciate you making some time on a Saturday after a really busy week. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate you thinking. Thanks, thanks All right. Pete. There's Pete Thamel, ESPN College Football Reporter. I think it's so funny that the epicenter of ESPN's college football reporting is Boston. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's awesome. like 5,000 reporters in Tuscaloosa, but Pete Thamel is their national writer, and he's excellent. He's been at Yahoo. He was an old guy when I worked with Damon Amendolar. He was on a lot. Uh, really, really great stuff. If you like college football, I would check out Pete Thamel's work. And I love what he had to say about Drake May. That oh, gets man. me. I love. I'm the biggest Drake May guy in the city, maybe in the state, maybe in New England. Yeah. Uh, so I am into that. Well, uh, Pete Thamel, I think, is a Drake May guy himself. Uh, speaking of uh, Pete Thamel, also a big Joe Braverman guy, and he's Ooh. got trending right now. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Not many of them out there, so it's a definite honor. Celtics made it closer than it needed to be, but they ended up taking care of the Wizards at TD Garden last night. 133-129, the final score. They end their seven-game homestand with a record of 5-2. and two. Jason Tatum was two assists shy of a triple-double. He finished with 35 points and 10 rebounds. Kristaps Porzingis was right behind him with 34 points and 11 rebounds. Drew Holiday also contributed 20 points. Joe Mazzulla talked after the game and made an interesting comparison to what he thought of his Celtics roster. You ever seen Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? There's like 20 different Spider-Mans. That's like our team. Success is going to look different each and every night. And uh, I think the guys are doing a good job of understanding what that balance is. And as long as the process towards how we're going about attacking the other team is right and it fits in what's best for the team, then... You know, that's just executing. Next up for the Seas will be tomorrow. It's a matinee in Miami taking on the Heat. Speaking of a matinee, the Bruins are in D.C. to take on the Washington Capitals. Puck drop is set for 3.30. Gerard Mayo continues to round out his coaching staff, as first reported by Sports Trust Advisors. Former Super Bowl champion Dante Hightower has been hired as the team's linebackers coach. The former first-round pick returns to the franchise he won three Super Bowls with as a player. In related news, Falcons owner Arthur Blank stated yesterday that former Patriots coach Bill Belichick was never offered the head coaching job in Atlanta and that Belichick never asked for full control of player personnel. And Super Bowl 58 is only one day away between the Chiefs and the 49ers. The Chiefs have ruled out all-pro guard Joe Tooney. He's dealing with a lingering pectoral injury. Don't forget, we have Super Bowl coverage all day, beginning with the Big Game Brunch at 8 a.m., followed by Westwood One's coverage of the Super Bowl beginning at 2 p.m. You can listen to that right here on 93.7 WEI-FM. I'm Joe Braverman, and that's what is trending on WEI and WEI.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, home stretch is about a half hour left of Ken and Curtis without Ken. Shime, it's flown by. Yes, sir. Uh, a couple of uh, loose ends to clear up on the text line. So one, a 508 texter asked me a very simple question. What would Brady have done with the Jets? And I think it's a great question. However, the team he joined was worse than the Jets. They lost the Jets week two to fall to 0-2. Bill was 5-13. and And the organization, if you go back to Bill's time in Cleveland, was wildly under 500. So... The question really isn't what would have happened if Bill went to the Jets. What would have happened if Tom didn't fall into Bill's lap? Would he have been out of the job in 2001? Probably. Secondly, a lot of anger about me saying that the Bucks were the losingest franchise in professional sports. They were. Their record, before Tom Brady arrived, was the worst win-loss record of any major American team sport. Just a fact. It's okay. Things are just true. We can't rewrite history books. We can just augment them with new information. Yeah, you, if you put Tom Brady on that 0-1 Jets team, they might win the Super Bowl. The quarterback was Vinny Testaverde. He had 15 touchdowns and 14 picks and only like 2,500 yards. But they had Curtis Bleeping Martin, who, by the way, Hall of Fame running back. Uh, and then they had uh, Lavernius Coles and Wayne Corbett. Like, that was a good offense. Like, it, they weren't bad. But, and they but, were 10-6. and six But what I don't understand with Herm is, Edwards. like, you have... You have Two years, or 13, whatever it was, uh, 18 games without Tom to begin Bill's career as the Patriots coach. Yep, 5-13, and 13, right? 5-13, and 13. and then you have the last four years, and then you have his time in Cleveland, and then you have the rest of the NFL say no thanks, and then you have Tom going to Tampa and winning five playoff games, the Super Bowl, two division titles in three years there. And it's like, but if he went to this team, they would have sucked. Like, it's okay. You know, people take a while. You know, it just... Facts don't care about your feelings. Yep. Just accept the reality, and you can rewrite and try and ask a question in a million different ways. It's okay. Do you want to know how Belichick could have saved himself in retrospect? That year post-Tom Brady, instead of signing Cam Newton, just like run it down with Jarrett Stedham. And be th- if that was your 4-12 and season or Absolutely. your 3-13 and 15, 13 season, everybody would, have been, everybody would have been like, oh, yeah, you lost Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, and you replaced him with Jarrett Stedham. Like, of course, or Brian Hoyer. Of course that's going to happen. It's okay. No big deal. And then you get the number one overall, overall pick in the draft in Trevor Lawrence, and you're probably not where you are now. Exactly. But here's the issue with that. Bill Belichick said many things. One, he mocked the fact that the Colts went all the way down to 1-15 without Peyton Manning, which got the Andrew Luck. And they said, we would never do that. Another thing, we can win with any top 15 quarterback. Remember that? <laughs> yes. 
So those two things were, it was a guy that we were told it was all about the team was obsessed with how he is viewed. With himself. Someone who said, oh, I don't care about a title, was obsessed about titles to the point that he didn't give them out. The the guy, like, everything that you thought you believed about him is just not real. He's a brilliant coach, the greatest coach in NFL history. I got it all. Well well aware. Not going to take any of that away from him. His game plans are in the Hall of Fame. His game plan to stop the keg on offense when he was with the Giants. A lot easier when you have Lawrence Taylor, but he's still there. His 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 game plan to shut to shut down the greatest show on turf in two thousand one. Awesome, spectacular. The first half of the twenty eighteen AFC Championship, shutting down Patrick Mahomes, brilliant. Go up and down the list. The defensive performance in the final fifteen minutes of the Super Bowl fifty one against the uh, the Falcons, mm-hmm. awesome. All of that, great. But it, it's okay. It, you know, it was more Tom. That's fine. It's also okay that time has passed him by. Like that. Happens. Father Time is, as they've always said, undefeated, Curtis. Sure is. Ask Greg. 99,000 and 0. Like, it, it's going to happen. And unfortunately, he has just grown out of the game, and that's all coaches need to retire at some point. Mike Shanahan's been retired for like 10 years, and he's the same age as Belichick, as you and I looked up earlier. Like, right. it's some guy. It, that is the craziest thing. During yeah. the break, I was like, oh, I wonder if Kyle Shanahan's dad's still around. I, I didn't know how. I just, he, he always looked young. Yep. But so. Uh, Mike Shanahan, the back-to-back titles with Terrell, Terrell Davis and John Elway, John Elway with, the, with the Broncos. He's 71 years old. Yep. And so he's actually younger than Bill Belichick. Correct. And his son, Kyle, is about to try and win his first Super Bowl. It's wild. Yeah. It's it's crazy to think that he's... And he's been out of the league since, what, was it like 2014 that he left the Washington team at that point? Right. Post-RG3? Like... It's it's been ten, at least ten years. He's been out of the league. Sometimes time just passes you by, and you move on. You retire, and it's on to the next. And, and I hate to do this, but uh, to the five away texture that says the fact is that the Bucks were a loaded team. Jameis Winston the year before made the playoffs and threw thirty interceptions. Inaccurate. He was seven and nine and seven threw thirty and nine interceptions. And threw thirty interceptions. You can keep trying to rewrite history. God bless you. You know we can do it all day. It's just it's just okay. And even if and who what does it matter if he joined a good football team? Why does that? I don't understand why that matters. It's not like it's not like there's evidence where Bill joined a good football team after the Patriots and was like great. Right? It's he he had the Patriots after Tom Brady left and they were bad. They had one decent season and, and you got blown out by the Bills in the first round of the playoffs. And every year you got worse as the season went along, which was this thing we were always oh. told. The real season doesn't begin until after Thanksgiving. That's Bills only with Tom team, Brady. Up, they got worse every year. Yep. 2020, they got they were decent to start the year. They had that awesome almost win in week two against Seattle where Cam was throwing the ball up and down the field. 357, I think he had in that Edelman, game. Edelman, I think, had his best single season. Yeah, he had like 140 season. yards in that game. Unbelievable, right? They got worse as the year went along. Correct. 2021, they start out, they're, they're the, I remember Ken and I were at the Cisco 5K They had in like that seven-game win streak where they faced a uh, Titans team without Derrick Henry. The Browns were in there. The Jaguars, they absolutely yeah, it was Jets, stomped. Chargers, Panthers, Browns, Falcons, Titans, Bills. Yeah. Right. So then they had the bye week, which we were also told, Bills teams after the bye, woo you don't want to play Bill after the bye week. Oh, unless they pee down their leg against the Colts. And then the rest of the season, they stunk. They didn't force the Bills to punt. Mac looked awful. Mac looked awful. 2022, we can go back and look at the final weeks of that season. Not great. Not great you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know that I had that rough one. They almost, well, that's the other Gresh. You know, oh, they in the fourth quarter, they had the lead against the Bills, and they're a playoff team. Oops. And then this year, they're 4-13. and 13. 
And then Bill Belichick was let go. He was not contractually obligated to coach here. No team had to give up any compensation for him to coach their team. And he is where I am. Down the stretch in 2022, they were 2-5. and five. They lost on Thanksgiving week there to the, the Vikings. They lose to the Bills. They beat the Cardinals, who didn't have Kyler Murray. If they had Kyler Murray, they win that game. Yeah, they probably win that game. Uh, then they lost to the Vegas in the crazy game. Right. They lose to the Bengals uh, in that weird game right. where they go down 22 nothing, like right. almost immediately. Right. They didn't show up. Yeah, and then they somehow beat Miami, and then they lose to the Bills again. It's just, what an awful end to that season. It Ugh. is just amazing. And it's this still, it's I, I really think it's like, uh, I don't want to say it, but um, we were taught to believe certain things as kids. And yep. when you realize some things aren't what you thought, it's, Correct. it's really hard. Yep. You know, and, when you re- and, and sometimes, you know, when you realize uh, vegetables <laughs> aren't as bad as you once believed they were, right. you come to learn new things. Your right. mind opens up. It expands. Right. When, when your mom's yelling at you to eat your vegetables, you don't want to eat them. But then when you cook them yourself, you're like, oh, maybe I should tell her she was right. Yeah, with some garlic, these are okay. Right. I can do this. You put a little olive oil and garlic on most things. Yeah, exactly. You're can make and eat a gas. shoe. Anyway, well, let's speak of uh, Bill Hay. Let's go to Al from Everett <laughs> to yell at us. Hey, Al, good morning. Hi, Al. Hi, guys. Since you mentioned that, that Jets game and the 5-13, and 13, this, is a, this is a true story. Big uh, writer for the sports, sports for, uh, for the Herald, a sports writer for the Herald, he's still there, told me to my face 20 years ago, he was interviewing Jonathan Kraft in the, upstairs in the, in the suites at halftime of that game. It was 21-0 Jets. They were five, looking at 5-13. and 13. He looked at this report, and he said, off the record, he goes, look at him. He's watching Belichick walk off the field at halftime, and he says, he walks around here like he's the king. We gave him, we gave him the world. Al, the, Al, the lost, they lost that game 10-3. It wasn't 21 nothing at halftime. Well, he says, we ain't, give, we ain't giving him. He says, we ain't, he walks around here. We gave him the world. He says, he ain't making right. it halfway. Right. And there's nobody that's at the Herald now that was there 20 <laughs> years ago. There's like three people that work at the Herald. I love Al. I do. It just like, I was like, where, where is this going? I have no idea <laughs> what he's talking you, about. You insert something, and he just kept going. Good, yeah, kudos right. to him, I guess. I, mean, I don't get that. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was I, – I, I remember it well. There's We were uh, – I was talking with Greg about these photos. There's, like, lost photos that I wish we had. I don't know who we were talking with at the time. But there's a photo of myself, two of my good friends, Stephen, Brian, and Amanda Belichick on the field at the old Foxborough Stadium. Oh, wow. After the Patriots came back, Wiggy had the game-tying touchdown catch against the Chargers. It was a auction item. At my high school, and my dad and his, a couple of my friends' dads, the team stunk. Yeah, it was after the 2000 season, and we were like, "Oh, let's pick the Chargers game so we can see Flutie." Oh, so it was trying. It was like trying to get on the field this year, right? And so <laughs> after the game was over, but we were there, and the, and the Patriots were losing, and we had to go up to the suite because the fans were letting Bill have it, and they were like, "Let's get Bill's kids away from this." And it was real. I mean, they, they if they didn't have a good year, Bill was likely out, and they did, and Bill turned it around, but. It is a it is amazing to look back at where that team was and that where they are now. Yeah, there's a lot of revisionist revisionist history when it comes to uh, Belichick and just uh, even the Crafts do it all the time too. It's just it's this weird thing where nobody wants to live in reality anymore. Right. And it's like no, the numbers and everything are right there. Like the, there was a clear palpable. Uh, ooh, I don't know if this is going to work with Belichick. And then Tom Brady came in and everything ended up working out. Really did. All right, so we have a, a betting question on the uh, text, li- text Ooh, hit line me, here. Hit me. All right, uh, McCaffrey anytime TV or over Debo sixteen and a half 
rushing yards. So the McCaffrey anytime TD is going to be juiced out of its gills because it's he scores a TD in every – he had like, what, 25 touchdowns this year? So yeah. it's minus 210 to score an anytime TD. I don't know if you want to lay that juice. If you're comfortable with it, great, go for it. What I, about first touchdown? Fine. How much is there juice Ooh, on First that? touchdown plus 330. So That's still not great. No, especially when you look at a guy like Noah Gray who, if they're in, the, if they're in a goal line situation for Kansas City, they always whip out something funky. The Andy Reid spin around huddle. Right. Like Andy Reid pulls something out of his – bag inside the five-yard line every year in every Super Bowl, which indicates to me trick play, what? not to Travis Kelsey. So first touchdown, Noah Gray, 55-1. to one. Holy That is what you want. Jesus. That's what you want. I'm in. You're going to get me betting by the end of the day. Five dollars. You thought he was up. crazy betting the anthem. It's right. like five bucks to win 210. Why right. wouldn't you want to do that? Well, as Kevin in the off, if Kevin in the office says, if you can get a thousand to one's off, that a thousand to one odds on anything, you have to do it. A hundred percent. If pizza money on any bet with those kind of odds all day, every day. You said in Andy Reid's bag. What would you say the number one snack Andy Reid has in his bag? Mm. I'm going to tell you right now, he strikes me as a chicken and biscuit, those crackers. Oh, like are. Greg. Yeah. So I know Andy Reid is definitely, so there's, there's very different kinds of fat people, right? Right. There's the sweet fat. So that's me. I'm a sweet fat guy. I have a huge sweet tooth. You put a Reese's in front of me or ice cream or cake, I could eat the whole thing. Like on the menu at the place I was at last night, there's a one pound cookie cake. That sounds lovely. I could have eaten the entire thing because that's that's a lot of cookie. That's the kind of fat I am. But I think Andy Reid is a savory fat guy. So I actually think in his bag is a bag of like Big Macs. That's to me, that's kind of where Andy Reid's probably at. He is a savory fat guy, maybe even a chips guy. So maybe if you're looking uh, like, you know, a sour uh, cream and onions. Yeah, exactly. Or sour cream and cheddar. Even I think that's more Andy Reid's lane. Yeah. If I had to get what's the over under tomorrow? Uh, It is forty seven and a half. Forty-seven and a half. Yeah, I like like the the under. Oh, wow. We're 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 up. We're opposing here. Yeah, I, I feel like even if it's low scoring, it's like these offenses can be so fast paced late in the game. Like I could see it, you know, what was the over under last year for the Eagles and the uh, Chiefs? Oh, I want to say it was in the 50s, um, but I don't remember. And it was still over. I mean, it was like 30. Yeah, it flew over. But I think the difference, too, is is the Chiefs offense was way different last year than it is this year. Fair. Uh, and on top of that, I just think that both these defenses are way better than those defenses in the Super Bowl last year. Like this Chiefs defense is legit good. They've given up. Uh, I want to say it's six points in the second half over the last like four games. They have been insanely good uh, down the stretch here in the playoffs. And so I have a feeling it's going to be long, sustained drives. It involve a lot of running backs, a lot of short passes with the yards after the catch deal, uh, a lot of first downs. And so just clock is just going to evaporate. That is true. If I'm looking back at just the Chiefs games this postseason, they sit on it. There have been very few possessions. Like there, like and even the game was it the Bills game where the Bills had dominated yep. time of possession. Yeah, and even the, the Ravens. The Ravens. Absolutely smashed them in time of possession, especially in the second half. I mean, Mahomes scored three points in that second half because the Ravens' defense was so damn good, and the Ravens were moving the ball down the field, but that's what happens when you get down inside the 10 and you fumble on the one and throw a pick in the end zone. Like, it, you're screwed. Wow. Well, we had Pete Thamel, which I thought was a good get. Big news. Steve from Maine used to cook for Andy I got to hear this. Sign me up. Hey, Steve, I have no idea if you're being honest, but who cares? What did you used to make for him? Nope. No, I'm being honest. So I used to be the uh, chef at uh, Lehigh University, and they used to go there and do their spring training there. Uh, oh, yeah. All of them. I took some off. So Andy Reid was on a special diet. It was like the Atkins all-protein diet. Yeah. So I took some steaks and all, all the protein stuff. And then at the end of the camp, when they cleaned out all the rooms, Andy Reid had 
boxes of pizza underneath his bed. <laughs> and he was having delivered to him. I swear, I'm not kidding. That's amazing. <laughs> so, so there you go. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, Steve. I was right. Savory go. fat. He's Great. not a sweet. He's not going to have, doesn't have boxes of Twinkies, boxes of pizza. Have you ever heard the Charlie Weiss fat guy story? Yeah, didn't, uh, was it was it Wiggy or somebody who talked about how like he would go up to the buffet and like just like the all of the bacon grease, he would just have the the pieces of bread soaked in bacon grease. Yeah, so like the the remnants of the bread that's there to sop up the bacon grease, he would go and just take that bread. <laughs> like, which, I don't know how you live a week after like, you do I'm that. I'm a fat guy. I don't do that. You should do it again with those nuggies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Andy Reid well, Reed is so likable. Oh, he is. He's the best. In my opinion, he's the best part about that Chiefs team. He is, like, unbelievably likable. I agree. I can't stand the Clark Hunt, the whole thing where he's like, I love these owners that like they fall into Patrick Mahomes. And it's like, yeah, at the Chiefs, we have a way of doing business. No, you got Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's like Ben McAdoo saying, yeah, I, I thought Patrick Mahomes was the best quarterback right. in his draft, too. That's my least favorite thing. Like Bill Polian coming out of the woodwork being like, yeah, I had a first round grade on Brady. It's like, oh, you were the guy. Like in hindsight, everybody can do so that. So it, it's crazy to me. It's like people like that, they're like, oh, they give them all this credit and you're saying in retrospect you had them ranked. But then a guy, and to his credit Merrill Hodge has been making his way down Radio Row there is like video evidence of him being right about every quarterback in the draft nobody cares yeah. nobody cares it's it is why like he nailed CJ Stroud versus Bryce Young before the draft he nailed Johnny Manziel like he he just he continues to be right about quarterbacks nobody cares it's amazing so I you know what I'm interested in next year let's see if we can work on this okay I'm a total nerd when it comes to Super Bowl radio interviews I listen to everything sure what if we did a game where you could bet what each guest was pitching? Like, Ooh. because, like, Merrill Hodge, my guest, it's prostate. Like, something about peeing in the middle of the night. You know, like, okay. you, like Warren Moon was on. I was like, I think he was pitching Ginkgo Biloba. Like, <laughs> you, I, I would be fascinated. Like, they had this bizarre sit down with Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski, and they had bounty paper towels. In a million years, <laughs> I would have never guessed that that's what those guys No, were if, I, if I see Edelman, I'm like, oh, he's going to be pushing Winbet. Right. Win that's bet, his big thing. Or like a vodka. Yep, right. absolutely. Like if Brady's down there, he's pitching, you know, five-calorie pancakes. And if you look at Edelman's phone, he probably has like eight missed calls from Greg Hill. Right. And, and Joe's our bottle, <laughs> trying to get him back to win bet in Boston. But uh, we'll wrap this up maybe with Fitzy or Hart next. Uh, don't don't go anywhere. So I used to be the uh, chef at uh, Lehigh University, and they used to go there and do their spring training there. Uh, oh, so yeah. I, all of them. I took them off. So Andy Reid was on a special diet. It was like the Atkins all-protein diet. Yeah. So I took him steaks and all, all the protein stuff. And then at the end of the camp, when they cleaned out all the rooms, Andy Reid had boxes of pizza underneath his bed. <laughs> and he was having delivered to him. I swear, I'm not kidding. Well, uh, a fun morning. That was the highlight. That was Steve who uh, ratted on Andy Reid about 15 years later about <laughs> the, uh, the cooking down at what the a good story. Eagles training camp. Uh, Andy Reid also an interesting guy where he's beloved in Philly even after he left. Like that is a uh, that takes a unique animal. Yeah, 
it's uh, there's there's certain guys like that that they you just Matt Stafford's another one where like the guy the people in Detroit still love him and they're like if he goes like when he won the Super Bowl the city of Detroit was amped because he you know yeah he got traded to the Rams but they just they just loved him he was just endeared to that city and I think you you find that sometimes with uh, certain guys that are just awesome and I think you'll see that wherever Bill goes there is a large portion of the fan base here that will be rooting their ass off more I mean. I don't know if Robert Kraft understands the precarious nature of where he sits right now when it comes to the Patriots fan base and Boston sports fans. Yeah, it is teetering. There is a lot of animosity. Not- it is almost becoming like... It, it, there was a point last year where I was like, wow, the the hate towards the Red Sox is getting like aggressive. Like right. People are really mad about where the direction of this franchise is going. It's like leaning towards that. Absolutely. It feels similar to the defense of Francona after he left with the Bob Holder piece. 100%. Where it was like, Francona wasn't the greatest manager. Believe me, you know, we had a lot of calls on this radio station and others ripping things he, he did. He was beloved in the but city. But he is loved. I mean, beloved for, for all time. And I, I really hope that Robert and Jonathan Kraft stop trying to change opinions and ch- start improving the roster. Because... Same. You can say anything. You can do whatever you want. You can be a nice guy and a hole. If you win, you're loved. If you don't, you're kind of hated either way. So, the energy that is that has been spent trying to whether it's this dynasty, which I'll watch the Apple TV thing, whether, mm-hmm. whatever it is, it's just a waste of time. But one guy that we haven't talked about, and I, I was going to do this uh, on the Greg Hill show this week, but we just never got to it. The Hall of Fame was announced. Yes, it was. And uh, Andre Johnson is in the Hall of Fame, but uh, Antonio Gates is not. Wild, I would have absolutely put Antonio Gates in the Hall of Fame. Andre Johnson, yeah. But Rodney Harrison was a finalist again, and he missed out because people view him as a dirty player or whatever. Rodney Harrison, if I had to stand, you know how like uh, there's a person that presents each guy to the 50 media members? Yep. If I were presenting Rodney Harrison, I would say the greatest dynasty in modern American professional sports had one guy that came in halfway through that was so uniquely qualified to be a leader that he altered the way the team prepared. And this is a team that had some of the best leaders in the history of the NFL and Willie McGinnis and Mike Vrabel and Ty Law and Teddy Bruschi and all these guys, right? Rodney Harrison arrived in 2003 and single-handedly changed the trajectory of how that roster was put together, about the edge that team developed, about how they were able to overcome the releasing of Lawyer Malloy. And Rodney was a guy that was just clutch, obviously, but just one of these guys that, if you look at his stat sheet, which is enough to get him into Canton, obviously. It should be. It was. It barely scratches the surface of what he delivered for that organization. It's crazy to me. Like it, one of the big stats that everybody throws around, he's one of what only two players in NFL history to have thirty sacks and thirty interceptions. It's him and Ray Lewis, I right. believe. And Ray Lewis in the Hall of Fame, by the way. But if you're going to talk about extracurricular fi- curricular things, maybe Ray Lewis. He's be worse than Rodney. Than Rodney and like Rodney's on NBC. Like you see him all the time. He's front facing. He's likable. He's he's a good. He's good at his job for NBC. He does great, but. It's it's hard for me to understand the point of view of Hall of Fame voters in the NFL Hall of Fame when Patrick Willis is a really good NFL player, but he played for seven, eight years. I think he played for eight years. Right. It was a very short career. Rodney Harrison played for 14 years, and he was awesome. 
He was, I mean, two-time All-Pro, two-time Super Bowl champion. Like I said, 30 picks, 30 sacks, one of only two players in NFL history to have done that. Like, all of those things should just get him right into the Hall of Fame. And if he's such a bad guy, if he was such a dirty player, then why is he on TV all the time? Why is he so likable? Right. It just it doesn't make guys any like, sense to me. Ask guys like Peyton Manning, guys that were rivals of Rodney yeah. Harrison, talk about him. The, the, the respect oozes out of them when they talk about who Rodney Harrison because he's Rodney Harrison is a guy you would kill to have on your team. If I, if you were putting together like an all-time tandem of safeties, at the top of my list it would be Ed Reed and Rodney Harrison. Absolutely. Like and, he would absolutely be in the top 4 selections of all-time safeties. And he's a guy that was like I go back to that we forget how good the the Steelers were that year. They beat the Patriots in 04 in the regular season, snapping their consecutive win streak at like 22. And yeah, this was with Roethlisberger like on that huge win streak that they right. were on, right? Yeah. Right. So the the Steelers had then won every game after that or the Steelers were entering the AFC Championship at Heinz Field, and they were 17-1 and one entering Something that like game. That, yeah. So they had one loss. They had a 15-1 regular season, and yep. they won two, or 16-1 entering the AFC Championship. And pick six by Rodney Harrison when the Steelers were driving down the field to get it within a field goal before halftime. Harrison picks off Ben, ben Roethlisberger, takes it back 70 yards, the guy was as – he had the game-clinching interception against the Eagles, who were down three points with the ball, 24-21, fourth quarter, Super Bowl 39. Rodney Harrison intercepts Donovan McNabb to, to seal that game. Yep. I mean, the plays he made in the bigger in the big moments. He was – and he's iconic. Like, it's just uh, – I don't know. When you think about those Patriots defenses, Rodney Harrison is one of the first names that comes to mind, and he should absolutely be in the NFL Hall of Fame. It's kind of a shame that he's not. It really is. Anyway, uh, Sean, that was fun. A blast, Curtis. Thanks for having me. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow night. Final yes, you pick. As well. Oh, no, you'll be on at 8 a.m. I don't want to ruin your brunch tomorrow. So, How about your final pick? Uh, we already know where you're leaning. but Yeah, I'm going to say it. I think Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP, uh, two touchdowns, one interception. They uh, get a touchdown late to go up by a touchdown. So I think it's like 28-21 uh, Chiefs over the 49ers. Cool. But uh, Purdy has a bad pick. And uh, Christian McCaffrey doesn't get in the end zone. Ooh, upset of the day. I'm going to go under like my, my, my big pick, under 90 and a half rushing yards for Christian McCaffrey. Interesting. Okay. All right. Going against the grain yeah, there. I like I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm going against the Colpos, which All is right. never a smart thing to do. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk to you Monday morning at 6 on the Greg Hill Show. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.